Sir Latab is a local institution, and we have Chef Meredith Abbott, Manager of Culinary Content, on the show today. We'll find out what she does and what they have coming up. We'll also be talking about some surprising ingredients, get you updated on events, and give you the latest closures, openings, and ownership changes, like Targi's. It's all coming up on the Seattle Dining Show. Hi, this is Ethan Stoll. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live from the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the February 2020 Seattle Dining Show, number 2002. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining. Hello, hello, hello. Ooh, the three hellos. I'm over here now. I'm over <laughs> there now. <laughs> hey, recently, in my own naive way, I said to you, I might have even texted you this, isn't it funny that a burger outlet would advertise that they have 100% beef burgers? Because in my mind, I was thinking, what else would it be? <laughs> um, yes. And that started you on a little uh, researching thing. And now I'm kind of disturbed uh, uh, in knowing about this. But go ahead and, and talk a little bit about what you found out when you started looking it up. Well, we found out that uh, McDonald's is truly 100% pure beef, and they don't use any additives or fillers or anything in the beef. But then we looked at a couple others like the Jack in the Box, and uh, the list is long of, of things I can't even enunciate. Yeah. Um, salt, yeast extract, corn maltodextrin. Is that one word? Corn yeah. maltodextrin? It's two words, but it's corn maltodextrin. Yeah, I mean, is it one ingredient? Yeah. Uh, onion powder, uh, natural flavors. Spice, hydrogenated cottonseed oil. That's a really nasty one for your body. Mm. Uh, garlic powder, sugar, modified cornstarch, beef tallow, and triacetin. Yeah, I mean... I don't really know what that is. That, that doesn't sound like a burger to me. And then uh, the other thing that I found yesterday, I looked up A&W, mm -hmm. and they also say it's 100% beef, but they use additives as seasoning, so they don't have to say it's in the burger. It's a seasoning. <laughs> and apparently MSG derivatives are appetite spiking. So you eat it and want more. Oh. And then they've got disodium inosinate and disodium guanylate, sugar, <laughs> cornstarch, silicone dioxide. Silicone dioxide, Good wow. Good God, that doesn't seem That's right. That's got to be yummy. But then, the one that really surprised me, I said, man, maybe we should keep eating those impossible burgers. And you said, well, let me find out. Right. And then I said, That's impossible. We can't keep <laughs> eating them. Go ahead and say what's in that. Cause so, uh, the impossible burger is made with soy and potato protein. I said a heme? I don't know if it's fermentation of genetically engineered yeast. Yes. Coconut and sunflower oils. Methyl cellulose and food starch, cultured dextrose, soy oligomoglobulin. 
<laughs> Anybody want to look these up and, and correct me on my enunciations, you're welcome to. Uh, mixed tocopherols and on and on and on. I put on and on and on because the list was so long I got tired of typing it. Mm. But um, that surprised me. And, you know, some of it's understandable. I mean, soy and potato protein, you're using plants, you know, to make a, a patty. But a lot of other stuff they're using to hold it together or give it a texture, mm-hmm. a meat texture. Um, and it's like, why, why don't we just eat plants and stop trying to make them like meat? Because some of this stuff could go away if you weren't trying to give it a meat texture. If you're trying to eat healthy by going to a vegetable-based patty... Um, I think the Amy's is better for you than all this yeah. stuff. And so the Impossible <laughs> Burger, they're having their little heyday right now, but uh, I'm not going there. Yeah, it's a little nerve-wracking. Um, and, and Wendy's is also 100% beef, and they make a point of being never frozen. And, and McDonald's a while ago started doing never frozen patties on the quarter pounder, was it? Mm-hmm. It's not all of their burgers, but some of them. Right. But both of them still use antibiotics, which is... Uh, which I thought was illegal. So when, well, you sh- when you showed that, I was like looking at that going, oh, that's not I'm not, I'm not sure. I know at one time I also read that um, without antibiotics, like half the crowd, half the cow population would have to go or something. You know, it's like when you've got a bunch of cows in one space and they just oh, yeah. pass things. So, you know, there's sides to be listened to on so, the antibiotic. Thing. As I understand it, it's not legal to inject a cow with antibiotics or steroids or anything mm-hmm. else. But uh, there's no reason why you can't spray him with a little solution that he can lick off. Oh. So that's hmm. how they get it, even when they tell you that it oh. wasn't, there was no added antibiotics. But yeah. if you spray the cow down, he licks it. Well, that then that was his choice, right? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about the whole antibiotics thing. I mean, I can see why it would sort of be necessary in some cases. But again, we're setting ourselves up for never being able to, uh, you know, we, we're, um, what am I trying to say? We, we don't, fi- our bodies don't fight it anymore. So antibiotics are ineffective when we need them. Because yeah. we, we ingest yeah, not, them too Not good much. for us, to Because yeah. we'll ingest those antibiotics just like they did. Yeah. The other shocker, um, and I shouldn't have been shocked by this, I should know, um, but we were, you talking about drinking Bailey's, which we like to have once in a while. It's not a very often thing. A little for bit us. in my coffee on Saturday yeah. morning. But um, you found out that there are 25 grams of sugar in three ounces of Bailey's. Yeah. And and just to give you a a way to look at this is the general rule is women shouldn't have more than 25 grams in a day, and men shouldn't have more than 37.5 in a day. And uh, so your entire day would go with three ounces of Bailey's. Well, when I put it in my coffee, it's usually about an ounce. Yeah. But, I mean, like I say, that's not every day. It's just, you know, it's Saturday morning or Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, people need to know. And, you know, you you don't find it by looking on the label. There's no liquor that tells you how many grams of sugar is in it. You have to go online and do the research. Wow. So. You know, just recently they, uh, the thing came out and they, was that just Washington or was that now? I think it was FDA came out and they've got us, and it may not have anything to do with alcohol, but food items, they've altered the level, the labels, and sugar is much more out front and how, you know, how oh, much yeah. 
sugars, how much added sugar is there? Right. Total sugars and then added sugars. So you yep. know there's always going to be some natural sugar in stuff, but now you're going to be able to know how much added sugar is Yeah, and I think they're actually starting to print the uh, Heart Association's recommendation for how much you should have in a day. Mm. I I, I know people are voluntarily doing it. I don't know if that's mandatory right now or not, but it it should be. It it should be, and and it's helpful because just like the Bailey's thing, it sounds like a lot, but I don't know how much sugar I should have, and then you find out it's 25 in a day. Yeah. You know. Crazy. Crazy stuff. So where have you been eating? Where have I been eating? Um, this one is not a, like a new place at all. It's really old, but Thai Ginger up at Pacific Place. I haven't been to that particular Thai Ginger, actually any Thai Ginger, too often recently. And it was really good. They had the uh, Masamam curry we had, and, and then we had some fresh rolls. It was very good. Nice. It was tasted good, fresh food, good mm. quality. So I was happy to see that that's still happening. All right. Well, I haven't been there in ages. Yeah. I don't think I've been to a Thai ginger. I think I went to the one in Fremont about 15 years ago. You and I went to the the one in Madison Park, Madison Valley, Madison Park one time. And that was also 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. 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 Um, The other place I had lunch the other day was Jimmy's on Broadway at Mm -hmm. the Silver Cloud. And it was really good. I actually had salmon for lunch, and it was delicious. And they had it on a plate with a mix of wild rice and root vegetables. Mm. And it was just, a, I felt like I ate very healthy, mm-hmm. and it was really tasty. Mm. So I was happy to see that. You know, when Jimmy started, well, yeah, it was more of a burger yeah. sandwich pub thing. That's what I remember. And they still have that, you know, those kind of options, but mm-hmm. they also have this stuff, and clearly they're doing it well. And their chef was new about, what, six, eight months ago? Mm-hmm. So Matt Andes is there and, and seems to be going well. But the restaurant I'm just all hot on about right now is Castilla in Bellevue. It's a tapas bar and restaurant. Tapas, not topless. Right. Okay. Just, you know, I think I'm clear, but uh, (laughs) people question. Um, It is 100% Spanish. It is wonderful food. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful place. It used to be the Vovito food. 53 or something like that in Bell Square. And they had a wood-burning fire uh, oven. So that's still there, which is a beautiful thing. But they use it very differently at Castilla. And they have a kind of a mini kitchen that they do their cold plates and cold tapas and um, charcuterie out of. And then they've got their main kitchen, which they do all the hot work from. Um, It's just a lovely place. Clara Gutierrez Carroll is the owner and chef. She used to do the food and was actually a part owner in Tablas and Dimitri's and Cafe Neo. Is she out of that now? Yeah, I believe so. I didn't ask her that specifically, but I think she is. Okay. Um, and she wanted to do her own thing and do it. She is Spanish, so she she grew up in Castilla. So she wanted to do her own thing, and it is just uh, – I, I got to try a number of things when I was there the other day. And things that I wouldn't even normally like, like I'm not a mushroom person, mm-hmm. and they have croquetas, and they have their mushroom one, but it's a mix of trumpet and a couple other kind of wild mushrooms with a little mushroom uh, puree to get it creamy, and then they fry them, and they're, oh, just killer. Huh. They have paella, they have um, a couple of tablas, which are, you know, boards with uh, various things on them, sh- charcuterie and cheeses and stuff. She she has her... Um, paella and she's got her uh, gazpacho on which huh. was um, 
at the other ones where she used to work, it was on sometimes, just in the summer mostly, but it's on all year now. So that would be my, my highlight of this month. Hmm. How about you? Uh, well, I went to Canada. Yes, you did. So I have a Canadian report now. <laughs> uh, I had dinner at a restaurant in this <coughs> supposedly fairly large chain. I haven't looked up the number of them, but I'd never heard of it before, called Moxie's. And it's kind of like a Joey's or a Cactus Club. Okay. And uh, I had a uh, an ahi tuna uh, poke, mm. and that was really good. Oh, good. And uh, it's it's kind of loud, like a Joey's or a Cactus Club. Um, you know, all the all the waitresses are supermodels and all that. <laughs> but uh, but it was it was good. It was it was uh, it was definitely better than the average restaurant over. Well, I was in the Abbotsford area. Uh, the next night, I went to what is called the Greek Isles, and uh, I think the the service there is awesome. I think the owner does a great job. I just think that they need to have me come in and fix the kitchen. <laughs> Because the quality of food wasn't really there. Oh. And, you know, you, you ordered something with shrimp in it and it came out with baby shrimp. You ordered something with prawns and it came out with shrimp. So, I wonder if that's just a uh, Canadian versus American English thing. Maybe it's a Canadian Greek thing. I don't know. Oh, could be. But oh. it wasn't what I expected every time I ordered food. So Interesting. I actually ended up going there two nights. Um, on the other night, there was uh, something. I ordered a beef tenderloin, and they had already sliced it up and poured gravy all over it, which took it to a medium uh, well done. Oh. And uh, not not good. Yeah. So uh, definitely Moxie's, that's worth checking into. Okay. And then for breakfast, I ate at Starbucks. Oh, there you go. Have you ever eaten at Starbucks? You know, before? I don't think I have. I never have. Uh, but I would take I would take uh, the breakfast sandwich at McDonald's over the Starbucks breakfast mm. sandwich. Interesting. So. And why? What was the downside? Uh, just kind of wasn't as tasty. wasn't as flavorful. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, when we do love our McDonald's breakfast sandwiches. Yeah. Road food. Yeah. <laughs> All right, shall we take a break and then come back and look at the latest tidbits from the News Bites file? Yeah, let's do that. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Queen Anne Olive Oil. Explore their huge selection of flavor-infused olive oils and balsamics. Mix and match to create some unique taste treats. Take a field trip soon to the top of Queen Anne and experience oils and vinegars in a whole new way. Find more information at QueenAnneOliveOil.com. Hi, I'm Carly from Tacoma. When you're visiting Tacoma, I recommend going to Fujia for sushi. Hi, this is Chef Bill Raniger from Duke's Chatterhouse, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We are back on the Seattle Dining Show. You got Tom and Connie as your host, and we got a little construction going on next door, so don't mind all the drilling and the saw noise <laughs> if you hear it. We're, we're going to do all we can technically possible before we publish the show to uh, take that noise out. 
Anyways, uh, Connie's here to tell us all about the news bites and what's going on around town. Let me make the first one up. There's a brand new restaurant going in next door to where we do our podcast. (laughs) Okay, it's not a restaurant. Never mind. Um, There is a new restaurant coming to Madison Valley. It's going to be called Nick's on Madison, and the owner is Nick Yockey. Um, He is opening, hopefully, in April. It's in the Madison Valley Arboretum Court where Petite Gallery was. Do you remember we went to dinner there one night? It was a beautiful oh, space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this is going to be a little more casual. They're going to do lunch and dinner first, and then they'll eventually start doing brunch. Lunch is going to be burgers and sandwiches, you know, salads, soups. And dinner is going to have steaks, some seasonal dishes, some pastas. So I don't think it's going to be anything wildly different, but I think in that area it might be a good thing to have a kind of a local casual spot so yeah where you can get a burger yeah because you you need it and you can't get a burger anywhere else in this town that's for (laughs) sure um the other fun thing that i think that sounds really fun to me is that the brian carter sellers out in woodenville Mm -hmm. has started a private sommelier guided discussion and tasting in their gallery Mm. and it's a specially curated wine lineup and it includes limited production and library wines Happens only on Wednesdays and Thursdays at 1 and 2.30, by appointment only. Mm. Um, if you want food, it's a $50 experience. If you don't want food, it's 35 Okay. Yeah, I think that sounds fun. Hmm. Um, some more closures. Uh, these are, We put these out, um, we tweeted these out a while, so it feels like old news now, but I don't think we talked about them on the show. Uh, Valentinetti's, which opened in October, closed in January, so that was sad. Linda Dershang's Queen City, she took over the Queen City Grill. That is already closed. She's apparently going to reopen later and reconcept it. That uh, down there on first? Yeah. Hmm. Been there forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Inn at El Gaucho is closing. Um, Fire and Vine says they will. They are looking and will find another hotel spot in Seattle. But, you know, the El Gaucho move is moving to new digs. And so yeah. they were working on the finding uh, a good agreement lease-wise, on the inn, and I guess it just couldn't happen. And then uh, Central Smoke has closed, and they want to focus just on Monsoon and their Baba location, so they took that out. It's a shame to put all that money into a build-out and then shut it down. I know, and apparently, I never went, but apparently it had a fabulous patio, Hmm. so that's gone. And then this one was kind of a sad one for me, that the Mount Townsend Creamery closed at the end of January. Yeah, that broke my heart. Yeah. That was good cheese. That's good cheese. And apparently the last batches of cheese will ship mid-February. So get out there and buy your cheese because you won't be able to get it again. Um, Lark has brought back their short rib suppers on Sundays and Mondays throughout the winter. You get a dino bone. This is really for two people. Um, a dino bone short rib, uh, potatoes, lemon horseradish gremolata, grilled broccolini, your favorite. Mm. And two glasses of red wine, and it's $45. Wow. I know, it's a good deal. Two glasses? Oh, one one each. Yeah. 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 And you can't have mine, no. No. So they'll be hoping I'll buy another bottle of wine behind that. Exactly. And that's where they'll make yeah. it up in yeah. volume. That's how everyone makes it up with us. Um, <laughs> in any case, there's limited quantities, so uh, check out their website, and you might want to get down there early. On Tuesdays, Bar Hitchcock becomes Tacos Arroyo with Ana Silva Arroyo making her Mexico City-style tacos 
you get a choice of, I don't know what this word is, P-B-I-B-I-L. P-I-B-I-L. Don't know. P-B-I-L style pork, Baja style rockfish, um, and fried and spiced cauliflower. There's a condiment bar and three salsas. So this is kind of a fun thing they're doing. Taco Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. At the bar Hitchcock. And on Bainbridge Island. Got to take a ferry. Yep. For but, hey. Taco Tuesday. You know, because no other Taco Tuesdays exist anywhere, but this is supposed to be really good. So more, f- more food fun at SeaTac. Um, Thierry Rotoro is bringing Lulu Market and Bar to Terminal B this year. That'll be interesting to see what that is. So is that like a, like a cross between Lule and... And Luke? Yeah. I don't know. Lulu. Huh. Do not know, but I think it would be interesting and a, a nice addition. I love the food that's going into the airport. Yeah. And then uh, Terminal D is going to have a poke to the max. So Sam can, Choi. Yeah. So then um, Dingfelders has been on Capitol Hill for not a huge amount of time. It's what, it, what has that been, a year or less? Um, uh, yeah, it's still kind of hot on the deli scene. Yeah. And they have added indoor seating and bagels, but he, he, the owner says he likes his bagels hot. And you don't really ever get hot bagels. So that's hopefully what he's going to do. He hasn't quite figured that out. They're moving slowly to do it right. Maybe he should do a little sign out front, and whenever they're hot, the sign lights up, kind of like Krispy yeah, Kreme, Krispy you know? Yeah, Krispy Kreme, that's what they should do. <laughs> I hope he's listening. That's a great idea. They've also added coffee service, so they're, you know, slowly building it up. And then uh, Targi's on Queen Anne has a new owner. They've been around for 81 years, not the owner, but Targi's. Mm-hmm. Um, it was recently purchased by Joel and Margot Stedman, and they, owe, they own um, the Village Pub in Magnolia. Mm-hmm. And they're saying right now no major changes planned. It's it's like one of those neighborhood things that you don't want to lose. So they're really not – there's no full kitchen there. They're going to keep doing pizza and reasonably priced drinks, happy hours, 4 to 7. I went to Targi's once so I could get a square meal. <laughs> so I, I had uh, like uh, pepperoni sticks and Funyuns <laughs> and popcorn. And I was getting my grains and my vegetables and my proteins. It worked out really well. Yes. So we wouldn't want to change that. Who who wants to pass on Funyuns, for gosh sakes? No, oh, don't get in the way of my Funyuns. Yeah. Um, Barking Frog is back online. You know, they closed for three weeks or something like that. Oh, yeah. They were redoing the floor in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So it is back open, and they are ready for everybody to come back. And then February is Burger Month at Little Woody's. They do this every year, and they have different chefs each week, you know, four chefs come in one one a week and create a burger that they would like. So Brady Williams is doing the first week from Canlis. Eric Rivera from Otto is doing the second week. Logan Cox from Homer is doing the third week. And Elizabeth Kenyon from Manolin is doing the fourth week. Wow. So it's, they've got quite a lineup. I think it would be fun to check it out. Yeah. So that's my news. Those are the news bites for February. All right. Well, let's take a little break, and then we'll come back and do the calendar. Excellent. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, my name is Jessica, and I'm just now moving here to Washington in Tumwater, and I'm looking forward to finding the best restaurants that Seattle has to offer. Hi, this is Chris. I'm from Panther Creek Cellars. We're located in Dundee, Oregon, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. 
We're back on the Seattle Dining Show. Tom and Connie are here to tell you what's going on around town. What's happening, Connie? Well, I'll tell you. The first thing I've got down is a champagne reception at Daniel's Broiler downtown. That's Thursday, February 6th at 530. It's $99, which includes tax and grat. And it's, uh, you know, I failed on last month's show to say this correctly, but it's Veuve Clicquot. Is that it? Champagne. Oh, I thought you would have looked it up by now. You would think, but I did not. <laughs> I was too busy drinking their champagne. It's that fancy, clicky champagne. <laughs> yeah. And they've got four different champagnes that they're tasting that day, and they'll be heavy hors d'oeuvres. And champagne specialist Coventry Fallows will be a guest speaker. Isn't that a fabulous name? Sounds Coventry like a, Fallows. Yeah. Sounds like somewhere I need to go in England. Yeah. Or it sounds like somebody's name on... Uh, some fabulous TV show. I don't know. Coventry yeah, Fowler. Or maybe it's a, a clothing store. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Uh, Saturday, February 8th. Through. Through November 7th. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but uh, 10 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. This is going to be Harvest Vine Cooking Series. So basically what you're getting is four cooking classes. Uh, you have to purchase the full series, one class each quarter, Total is going to be $484.44. That's a mouthful of fours. Yeah. Uh, and that includes tax. Uh, there will be a wine luncheon at each class. And you're going to learn the intro to method cooking, stocks and sauces. You're going to learn chicken butchery. Everybody needs to know it. <laughs> and uh, then you're going to learn paella and rice dishes. And the last class would be stews, braises, roast, and confit. Sounds pretty good. So check that out online at the Harvest Vine website. Mm. Sunday, February 9th from 6 to 9 p.m., it's the Northwest Cellars Wine Dinner at Revolve out in Bothell. So it's either 110 or 140, depending on if you want to sit at that special table with the winemaker and the owner of the restaurant. Uh, it's a five-course dinner designed to pair with the tastings of Northwest Cellars Wines. They're doing lobster bisque, pork belly, grilled ostrich, eye of the rib steak, and chocolate lava cake. Mmm. Yeah. Well, oh, sounds good. And revolve. They cook so clean. I, I would. Yeah, it yeah. would be delish. All right. On uh, Sunday, February 9th, also from 6 to 9 p.m., it's the Pike Choco Fest at Pike Brewing. This is going to be $59.40 with fees, includes all food, a commemorative choco glass, 10 drink tickets, live music, sips, sweets, and savory bites, and uh, if they're available, last-minute tickets will be available at $65 if you try to buy them 48 hours in advance, so get them early. Mm. On Monday, February 10th, Rovers is doing their winter pop-up at Luke in Madison Valley. We talked about this at their last quarterly one. It's a, you know, it's going to be fabulous, but it is $350 per person. Get your 401k for that yeah. one. It includes the tasting menu, wine pairing, tax and grat, and the prepayment is required, as you can imagine. And I bet it's not refundable. No, it is not. Wow. Yeah. Amu's, it's not, yeah, you, I think you can transfer it. You could give it to somebody else, yeah. but you can't. There's going to be an amuse bouche six dinner items to taste, and four desserts, 
followed by a chocolate truffle and an orange blossom madeleine. So don't eat lunch that day. Yeah. Uh, Friday, February 14th, and here we go, folks. We're getting into Valentine's Day yeah. now. We've got a few of them coming up here. Uh, 6 p.m., Kestrel Vintner's Valentine's Day dinner for two at their Prosser Tasting Room. So you're going to be taking a trip out east if you want to do this. Uh, it's $120 per couple, $100 if you're a wine club member. Uh, let's see, you got a four-course dinner. Includes goat cheese tarts, salad, Tuscan stuffed chicken or marinated tri-tip, and shared dessert, and roses for the ladies. Aww. Nowadays, how do you know who's a lady and <gasps> oh, who's good point. not? Good point. And what about the other ones who don't identify as either? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, live music by a band called Private Reserve. Doesn't that make sense in wine country? Yep. Also... Our next Valentine's Day is at 8 p.m., and it's the final Valentine's Day cabaret in the Pompous Room before El Gaucho moves to their new location. So it's going to be called Hopelessly Devoted. It's a Greece-themed cabaret by Armitage Shanks. There is another wonderful move. I don't know who these people are, but they should marry. Coventry <laughs> Fallows and Armitage Shanks. Yeah. It's $210. There's your next dog or cat's names. <laughs> Come on, Army. Come on, little Armitage. Come on, little Armitage. It's $210 for four courses or $175 if you want to sit at the bar. It is also running on February 15th at 5 p.m. with three courses for $175 or $140 for bar seating. And at 9 p.m. that day, back to the four courses, $210 or $175 on the bar seating. Hmm. Last chance to go to the Pampas Room. Yeah, that's a cool place, too. Friday, February 14th, Valentine's Day, five-course tasting menu at the Miller's Guild. Going to cost you $310 for two people. Uh, you'll be getting oysters and caviar, grilled drake duck breast and scallops, ricotta pasta nudie, dry-aged Meyer prime ribeye to share. Does that mean it came from Fred Meyer? I believe it does, mm. yes. And smoked chocolate <laughs> beignets. Mm -mm. Our next Valentine's Day is a little more reasonable price-wise. It's at Hearth at the Heathman in Kirkland, 3 p.m. to 10 p.m., $75 per person. There's four courses. They also are concocting a share a love, you could, so you can share a love 75 cocktail for two. So does 75 mean that the whole thing is 75 bucks a person? Is that where that comes from? I, you know, honestly, the way their their website looked, it looked like a separate thing entirely. The the hearth dinner, the four courses is 75 per person, or you can just do a more boozy thing and share a love 75 cocktail for two. Hmm. But I assume you could add it to your to discover what a love 75 yeah, is. That's is that like a love TKO? <laughs> uh, Saturday, February 22nd at 6 p.m., the Big Five Wine Dinner Series at the Walla Walla Steak Company. Uh, this is uh, out in Walla Walla, of course, and it's $140 per person, includes tax and grat. And they will be highlighting the airport district, so wines on hand will be smack. Beauty, Dowsett Family, and the 
Dunham. It's actually – there's no comma there. It's Dunham and Adamant. And Adamant. Yeah. So five wines from the airport district. Yeah. That should be fun. There, that's a whole series. This is like maybe the third one or something. Huh. It's, it's very yeah. fun. All right. So that's the calendar. Now there's more on the calendar. And uh, as time goes on, we're filling in more Valentine's Days events. So, mm-hmm. Although we should probably – Come clean and say that we are moving our. We are moving our um, server, and we are doing the best we can to get this all updated, so you don't even know it ever happened. Yeah. However, we can't add to the calendar right now. No, not so, today, but maybe tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully. All right, we'll be right back, and uh, we have a special guest coming on. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by. Collections Cafe at Chihuly Garden and Glass at the Seattle Center. Enjoy Northwest Fair, craft beer, and Northwest wine surrounded by Dale Chihuly's eclectic collections. For more information, go to ChihulyGardenAndGlass.com. Hi, I'm Scott McLean from Walla Walla, Washington. One of my favorite places to eat in Seattle is the Wild Ginger Restaurant. Hi, this is Ron Williams from Visit Walla Walla, and you're listening to The Seattle Dining Show. Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, the front of the house. <clears throat> and we have a special guest here today. Connie's going to tell you all about it. Yes, I am. We have Meredith Abbott with us today from Sur La Table. And as you probably know, Sur La Table has been, it was founded in Seattle in 1972. So it's been around a little bit of time. And Meredith... That's like when there was hippies, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> If Meredith were born then, she would be a hippie. I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Meredith, you are the manager of culinary content and an executive chef. Mm-hmm. So tell us what that means exactly and what you do for Sterla Tom. So I wear many hats, but yes, I'm a manager of culinary content. Uh, so I, any. I kind of come up with and in control and kind of dictate any culinary content that you see from our company. I uh, so it's you're talking text and copy, not food. Both, both, all of the above. So we have 130 some stores nationwide. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 85 of them, we have culinary schools, culinary programs, whatever you want to call them, Mm -hmm. cooking classes. We offer cooking classes in 85 of them. Uh, They are hosted and led and run by resident chefs. So it's like having each program has its own executive chef. They're in charge of staffing and scheduling and um, managing their own programs. Mm -hmm. But I oversee that. So it's like I'm on the school board. So I come up with the curriculum, the recipes, package them together into the classes and then put them out to my counterpart in store operations who then plugs them in to make sure that we make money. Yeah, good idea. Um, so if in a retail scenario, I'm the merchant, he would be the planner. So oh, okay. I come up with 
I give birth to the ideas and he, yeah. he makes them he happen. Executes. Yeah. Okay. But then I get the really fun part of my job is I work with the catalog team to do our photo shoots, to oh. put the food into the vessels. Um, I work with our email team to give tips and put the, the authenticity in what we talk about with yeah. our products. As well as I do Instagram videos and Facebook lives and get oh, wow. to do all sorts of be a representative yeah. for events here in Seattle, yeah. like cooking with class. Yes. Marketing. Yes. I do a lot of things. In my in my background is executive chef. I taught at South for a year before mm-hmm. they kind of scaled back their program. Before that, I was an executive chef at Microsoft for four years. And mm. then before that, I mean, a gajillion different mm. things. So it's like the culmination of all my past restaurant gigs have led me to have this really weird knowledge of food (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's perfect for working at Sur La Table at their headquarters. So, so you, when you come up with food recipes, Mm -hmm. they're all over the place. They could be (laughs) Chinese or, you know, Turkish or yes. Huge part of my job is doing research. Oh, fun. Um, we have a, a massive archive. We've been, we have an archive of classes and recipes dating back to 2010. Wow. So I look through those. I mean, they're solid. We, and yeah. the people who have been doing this before me, um, in the front of our recipe packets that the students go home with uh, during our classes, we call them primers. So it's like yeah. a little encyclopedia of, the background on some of the ingredients or techniques that they're going to be learning in the class. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that research has already been done, Yeah, which is wonderful because they take a long time to write. Oh, yeah. You know, we our Thai one um, is kind of my favorite. It's a glossary of Thai ingredients. And then it talks about their purpose in Thai cooking, uh-huh. what to sub if you can't find like palm oh, sugar. Nice. If you can't find palm sugar, okay, light brown sugar is okay. But what you're going to lose is this quality. And yeah. so I had to do a lot of educating on myself. I was French trained, and then my knowledge on Korean food has come from doing a lot of research with cookbooks and going out to eat all yeah. the time. I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry for you. I yeah, life is <laughs> tough. And then I reach out to our 85 resident chefs who all have different backgrounds, yeah. and they give oh, a lot of knowledge question. and content. Yeah. And what are some things that work well in their program? Um, so yeah, we have our core recipes, which are put out to the 85 store fleet. But then each program can put on and can customize their own class calendar. Yeah. And so we support them in that and give them whatever help they need. It's really fantastic. It's, really fun. it's super. I learn something new every day, whether it be from somebody on my staff, like I have a, like a copywriter editor. Mm-hmm. And then um, I have another person who helps with all of the recipe development. Oh, she's yeah. a trained pastry chef. Oh, wow. I have a little pastry experience, but she's got this insane knowledge of it. Wow. And she comes from a line of foodies. Her brother is a chef. And so she comes from a whole different spin yeah. and experience. So it's this two wonderful collaboration. And there's another chef on, uh, he's actually my counterpart in store operations. He's a chef. He oh, taught wow. for years. And so then he'll come with other ideas. And it's just so wonderful yeah. to work in a collaborative environment. Oh, yeah. You know, that phrase, too many cooks in a kitchen, too many chefs in a kitchen. We all play really nice with each other. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> and I, I can't even imagine how much 
information there is when there's that many people who know things. There's a lot. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's always, sometimes it's a little bumpy, but <laughs> for the most part, because we just want to, we all have this love of teaching and want to empower people yeah. through food and through cooking. And it's, that's an art that we find has kind of diminished over mm-hmm. the generations. Um, I recently on Tuesday just took our Thai cooking class in our Kirkland location because it had mm-hmm. been a while since I'd been on the student yeah. side of things. And I was listening to these students ask our resident chef over there all these questions. And this young gentleman was like, my parents didn't teach me how to cook. We, we were very much convenience, mm-hmm. either frozen meals, frozen vegetables, going out to dinner. I'm a young professional. I want to learn how to take care of myself. I'm newly engaged. She doesn't know how to cook either. Oh my God. And so I think it was, I think he said somebody in their family gave them a gift certificate to take a class. And now this is, his, that was his third class oh, that he had it's taken. It's his obsession now. It's his obsession because now he's feeling self-reliant and it saves him money mm-hmm. and he and feels healthier. And he just, he knows that this is not only are they fun experiences for him and his partner to do together, mm-hmm. they are learning and it's engaging and it's fun and you go away with knowledge and that's what we're finding and i think that's why our culinary department we grow and grow now when we open up new stores culinary is always involved in them now so people want experiences that younger generation those millennials when they spend their money i feel like well, my theory is when they spend their money, they want to do it in a way where they get something out of it. So yeah. they're, I feel like they're traveling more. They're spending mm-hmm. money on experiences. As much as I love going out to eat, I think they don't eat out as much for pleasure. Yeah, They eat out for necessity. they got to be quick and it's I'm that, tired. Yeah, and... I was listening. I, I think it was your show from January yeah. that you put out, and it was talking about quick dining and uh-huh. how that's be in these large uh, kind of institutional restaurants are closing yeah. and yeah. changing in there. And those people that you're talking about aren't always eating out, but they're getting food to go. Yeah. And they're getting brought mm-hmm. in by the Uber Eats yeah. or whatever. Or they go to Whole Foods and right. just get the pre-made stuff. And, and, yes. and this is like the total image of my, my well, <laughs> he's not listening, so my son, <laughs> who is it was constantly ordering food in yeah. from restaurants yeah. and you know like they're using low-grade vegetable oils mm-hmm. out there, and and he's just going to have arterial plaque before he knows it. So much know? sugar, so much salt. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. so I think we're finding that people are wanting these experiences. Yeah. So lucky for me and us, we get to teach them, yeah. and I think it's just a blast. I want to oh, come yes. and be the teacher for the uh, healthy alternatives and teach people how to use better oils and how to yeah. how to use you know how to make things sweet without a ton of sugar mm-hmm. and, and a little bit of salt is okay mm-hmm. you don't have to use a lot you can, you can add acid or herbs to yeah. help kind of mimic what salt would do mm-hmm. exactly and, and they've got salt substitutes now we all almost right. all of us need more potassium than right. we get so yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's also just kind of like uh, uh, it's kind of like if you're using stevia mm-hmm. where you, you could use a little bit of sugar and then and then you get the body and then you mm-hmm. add in some stevia and you still get that sweetness without the excessive sugar sure and the sure. same thing with with the salt substitutes yeah. with the potassium chloride is you don't have to use all the salt they said you could use half of it and then use half potassium chloride sure 
We haven't. We don't play around too much with potassium chloride in our programs. Believe it or not, people say they want to learn how to cook healthy, but they want the stuff that they want to learn how to make hollandaise yes. and. Yeah, there's a, there's a good way to make hollandaise. We we definitely our chefs are such a resource that if students asked about these topics, they would absolutely engage. Or see, that's why I'm giving myself a job at your place. You should, yeah, <laughs> you can just be there, standing alongside the chef, and say, "Here's what you should do." <laughs> I'll be the sidebar. You're huh? like the little color commentary <laughs> off to the side. <laughs> uh, every chef is gonna hate me when they get done. <laughs> Tom's here. Oh, great. Somebody <laughs> used the phrase the other day. I was talking well, to them about they'd come with a chef to cooking class one time. And I said, I don't remember you being there. But, you know, I just, yeah. I'm focused on the chefs. And sure. I, if who they right. bring, I, right. I almost never even meet. And he said, oh, you know, I was background music. I was the background sous chef. Music. I was background music. I thought that was a great description. Yeah. You know? I was there. Nobody knew I was there, but I was there. And that's how I got comfortable teaching was I would shadow uh, oh, yeah. when I was teaching at South Seattle before I started I kind of I went and shadowed a couple classes and was like oh yeah okay great 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 yes 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 and then some um, my a mentor of mine gave me the best little bit of knowledge and she was like all you have to do is just know more than the students yes and that <laughs> isn't hard because I was stressing out I was like I you know don't remember yeah. this I don't remember that it's been so long since I was in school and she's like you just have to know more than the students and then frantically do your research yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or there's nothing more empowering than saying i don't know but i'll find out yeah and you know people really appreciate yeah. that yeah don't lie to them right you know just don't, tell them don't i don't tell actually story. know that right yeah I, i'm not a i'm not a professional i'm not an expert in everything yeah. Yeah. but i'll find out i'll become one <laughs> i have some yeah that's what you gotta do i'll become one just because you asked me this question <laughs> how empowered are you right now you're directing my life right <laughs> You know, I was looking out at the website and the, the sort of creed of Sir mm -hmm. is make good food, mm. invite people, do it daily. Yeah. And I was thinking, and it kind of uh, has something to do with what we were just talking about, this how does good food change over time? Yeah. You know, because like 2010 is only 10 years ago, but there actually there's been there's a lot been of change. There's been amazing discoveries oh. in food so, in like, the last And I was thinking years. since you guys started in 72, you know. Yeah. So cooking schools didn't start, or cooking classes um, our founder, Shirley, uh -huh. um, would do demos. Mm, okay. And then in about, oh, I hope I don't get this wrong. You're not an expert in this? I'm, no, I don't have it all memorized. <laughs> but she would do demos. And then in the 90s, she would invite people to come in. Shirley had a relationship with Julia Child and Jacques oh, Le Pen. Wow. And they would come in and, and other cookbook authors would come wow. in and do mini classes yeah. and then i don't remember in what year i should know this <laughs> um we actually built out a kitchen in one of our stores uh, it was our um uh berkeley location oh, okay. and i do remember that yeah. in california that was our very first cooking class oh, wow. location in early 2000s late 90s one of the two um we didn't start building this archive until 2010. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but one day I was asking um, somebody from the creative team, I was like, I really want to know the first class that was taught. And she's like, really? You want to know? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, well, I don't know, but I am like the keeper of our archives and brought over one of those giant industrial push carts full oh of God. binders. Oh, wow. So... 
Yeah, here, this is another class I'll teach. It's called <laughs> the Revised Moosewood Cookbook. Oh. Remember, that was like, that was a very popular book oh, when yeah. you guys started yeah. in 72. So yeah. I'm going to do that class, and pretty much everybody in the room is going to be in a walker or a wheelchair <laughs> or whatever. Or be like, what is this? The millennials are going to be like, what is Moosewood? We have that cookbook <laughs> sitting next to the three of us in the culinary creative part have a like a counter next to our desks, and we have a filled with all of our favorite cookbooks that the we like to go to. Yeah, cookbooks that we reference just for inspiration. Yeah. It's nice to see all those, you know, the Moosewood didn't have a lot of pictures in it. Now cookbooks have tons oh, yeah. of pictures in them. Yeah. So, but we thumb through it and, you know, kind of yeah. harken back to like, what what I think is not a trend, but I'm so glad that people are getting back into the kitchen to yeah. learn to cook for themselves. And you know, trends change over time. I look at recipes from 2010 and there's a lot of roasted red peppers and sun-dried tomatoes and everything is in balsamic. And then you get later into the, like, the earth, like, uh, like 2015 or so. And then you get more of the the grains. That's like the grain revolution, the grain bowl. So farro and quinoa and Uh farroto, which we still teach. It's a great thing to learn, especially if you don't want rice and you want another grain. So we still pepper those in. Um, What else was in there? A lot. There was a lot, yeah, uh, a lot of California cooking. Oh, yeah. So like wine, which we still do because they're super popular. And those recipes were so... Just classic. Yeah. I was reading a recipe, the head note in a recipe earlier in the week, and it was talking about it was a, a grapefruit, arugula, and goat cheese salad. Oh, yeah. mm, like, yeah. Where has the warm goat cheese salad gone? Yeah. I used to love that. And they're like, bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> and even like the grains, I think 2015, it may have gone out of style again, and it's back. It's back. In a big way now. It's back. And you, cauliflower is still goat, having its moment. you think the goat cheese salad was the greatest of all time? Oh. <laughs> it's like the goat cheese salad or the classic spinach salad that had the raw sliced mushrooms. Oh, yeah. and the, I mean, I can't Oh, and the little that. frizzled onions. Yeah. But my, yeah. my favorite was the warm spinach salad with the oh. bacon dressing. Oh. oh, yeah, and the egg. Yeah. Yes, with the egg. <laughs> because my heart needed it. Oh, <laughs> the warm spinach. Frisco oh. dressing, right? Yeah, well. Oh, and bacon fat bacon fat mm-hmm. was what it was mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah. that's right that's right yeah. my mom actually had that out one time and loved it so much she made it at home all the time yeah. it was just like the best thing i mean it's delicious yeah. everybody needs a little bacon fat i think so yeah <laughs> you will not agree a with little, me on this yeah. a little a little goes a long way with yeah. bacon fat it's a very strong like once flavor. or twice a year is okay oh my goodness but now you can get now you can get organic bacon so it's okay it's yeah okay. and i get Doesn't like the, the nitrates um, in yeah. it Yep, I get that. I have a couple brands that I like that I use all the time at home. And really, I don't want the bacon. I just want the bacon back. Oh, interesting. So I've got a little cast iron crock on oh, my yeah. stovetop. That I'll I come by and pick straight. up the strips of bacon you don't eat. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily, my boyfriend loves the oh. bacon part of it. Dang so him. he eats that, and I just use the bacon fat to cook with. <laughs> And then we take lots of long walks after we eat that. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> well, I guess that answers my question. The good the good food changes because it's whatever yeah. is like sort of coming on now and how people are feeling. Yeah. People do go all of a sudden, they'll go into the hollandaise and, mm-hmm. and need that. Mm-hmm. Need those heavy special things or yeah. brunch. All of a sudden everybody's into brunch. Right. And then it's like no healthy brunch. And then so mm-hmm. 
I think, yeah, there's, it's, it's so curious to me how food trends are set. I mean, because you look at people who write cookbooks mm-hmm. and they're working on them for years yeah. before they get published. And I just think, you know, so much of it has to do with what you see on social media and what restaurants are mm-hmm. doing. And it's also, I like this getting back to locality. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I still crave foods out of season. And by February, I'm over root vegetables yes. and I'll go buy things that are grown in hot houses mm-hmm. or, you know, in Central America. And I'll do that, but really, um, the farmers around the farmers markets are getting back to these old heirloom varietals, and you're seeing them now in pictures. That I can never remember the name of, but that crazy lettuce that kind of looks like radicchio, but it's that light kind of golden yellow, but it's got the bright purple like polka dots, like speckles on it. Yeah. Beautiful. I've and never eaten it. Bitter either. and crunchy. Oh, it's, it's not as bitter as radicchi. It's called out of this world lettuce. It really is out of this world. <laughs> but I, I kind of like that we're getting back into unfussy. Yeah. So even yeah. fine dining, you're seeing the plating not looking so yeah. perfect and tweezery. Yeah. And I like I like this movement where it's getting back to getting people around the table. It's such a yeah. such a just wonderful, comforting feeling that's in all of us mm-hmm. to eat and share a meal with. We, everybody has to eat. Yeah. So it's just yeah. such a great unifier. You know, it's actually sort of the flashpoint. Everybody I've been talking to or interviewing lately, anybody who's in the business, I hear over and over. Eating a meal mm-hmm. is such a connector. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to sit down, have a chat, mm-hmm. take some time to just listen to somebody yeah. else and express their view about something. And and it's just, we seem to be getting back to that. I don't know if it's because things seem so divisive now that everybody's like, let's bring this in and, yeah. and be together. Seems kinder. Yeah. You know, um, when I would visit my son a year or so ago, I noticed that they'd feed my grandson at some point, mm-hmm. my son would eat at another point, and then my daughter-in-law would eat at another point. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, this is like not right, you know? And, I, and I'm I'm going to have to call them and ask them because now that they have a new baby, I want to know if they're actually all four of them sitting down at the table. Yeah. I know he's more of a homebody now, and he's not always running out to go be with his buddy. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm hoping that they do that. Uh, although I have to say, now I'm reading a book right now where the author talks a lot about this communing mm-hmm. and all this. But you know, and he talks about don't sit in front of your computer and eat your meal and that mm-hmm. that that. And it's like, well, you know what? I live alone. I work in my office by myself all the time. It's going to happen, dude, okay? Right, right, right. <laughs> but well, I do enjoy the it. times when I'm together with people. Right. I'm just not going to force it, you know. Right. Yeah. And we're back and forth, I don't know, four nights a week or something, four or five nights a week. So we're with each other right? and having meals, mm-hmm. you know. And then me more than you, I have people that I go out and, yeah. you know, get together with. But So we, we are going to take a break. And then we're going to come back and ask you about what's happening with Sirla Tob in the future. Fantastic. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Revolve True Food and Wine Bar in Bothell, where a passion for wellness, wonderful food, and good wine infuses everything they do. All menu items are free of gluten, grains, preservatives, trans fats, GMO, and soy. Enjoy wild seafood, organic farm fresh eggs, and seasonal organic produce. Find them at revolvefoodwine.com. Hi, this is Rusty with Rusty's Famous Cheesecake, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. 
Hello, my name is Carrie. I live in Magnolia, and my favorite restaurant is Tavolata. My next question for you is, what's coming up for the company? I know you mentioned earlier you've got a couple new programs coming up in Florida. Mm -hmm. Those just opened. Two new programs just opened up in Florida. One in Miami and then one in the Jacksonville area. And then I'm not actually sure what's on the docket to open up for this year, but um, it's exciting. I'm I going to be doing a lot more traveling oh, wow. and doing store visits this year to get um, to keep going with that resident chef feedback. Because yeah. um, one thing that we're figuring out how to do is to really get regional regionality to our classes. So, you know, we're in our bubble in Seattle and we mm-hmm. come up with classes that we think based on trends across the nation mm-hmm. and what, you know, what people really want to learn, which is like French and pasta and Thai cooking, but, you know, maybe the Portland market does really well with, like, farmer's market type themes or vegan or vegetarian, but Mm -hmm. you try to put those on the programming in Colorado and Chicago, and they're like, Mm. eh, I don't want that. Give me more steak. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm doing a lot more research this year on how to... help the resident chefs out there, give them the content for them to really be able to customize, but also work with them. Maybe they've got classes that we've got. um, One of our resident chefs down in Memphis is trained as a butcher. So I'm like, help me develop a butchery class. Like what do people really ask you a lot of questions? Is it, do they want to know how to break down a chicken? Well, we'll show you that. Um, But is it sausage making or is it how to buy like, a quarter of beef, yeah. quarter side of beef, and what to do with that. Like, yeah. what do people want? And yeah. so, you know. Buy a new freezer. Yeah, right? <laughs> go with you got to have a freezer. You have to live in an area that has these, you know, shares. Yeah. And there's a company that we've actually worked with a little bit called Crowd Cow. Yeah. They're actually based locally, um, but they source from farmers across the country that are sustainable and very eco-friendly. Um, but you could buy like cow shares from yeah. them. And so it's, there's a lot of, I think that's becoming something that's more popular, but you know, we're trying to figure out how to, um, how to teach that, yeah, how to make it approachable. And it's keeping our classes, following the trends, seeing what, you know, the celebrity star chefs are doing, but how to kind of take that and what people are seeing on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, all the YouTube channels that are out there now, some of it is really awesome food, but how do you, how do you teach it? What what do people actually want to learn how to cook in their own kitchen versus going out to eat? You know, it's funny because we do the cooking with class Mm -hmm. event and, and it's different because it's one night, you know, so it's not like a a lifetime of cooking (laughs) that you're going to learn there, but um, it's very interesting, like, people will eat, I think when Taylor was coming, they were eating like 12 oh, dozen oysters, yeah. and we'd run out. Yeah. And I would do an oyster class, and it wouldn't sell. No. 
because people don't want to shuck. They don't want to learn how to shuck. You know, so um, yeah. we have had a couple gooey duck classes and they never sell. <laughs> you know, people, uh, there's certain things they don't yeah. want. And even like the butchery, I think, is almost like a trend because the people who really want to know grew up in hunting families mm-hmm. and they already do it. Yep. So it's it's like you could maybe get away with one. Yeah. And I could be proven completely wrong. But, you know. You right. You have to we'll figure test. out yeah. what what people really want. They say they might want something, and then they don't actually. Do right. It. The proof is what they actually end up signing up for. So yeah. I think I should do barnacle class. Barnacle class. <laughs> mm. You know, here's how to break open a barnacle. <laughs> like, kind of how far we go with shellfish is we tell people how to source them, what to look for at the grocery store, how to clean mussels and clams, mm. and that's really all they care about. Yeah, because that's approachable. Yeah, they know that they could do steamed clams or steamed mussels at home. We teach them how to peel and devein shrimp. We teach mm-hmm. them how to do basic fish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, breaking sides down to fillets. But we've done classes before where we've broken down a whole fish, and I think people want to see that the chef in teaching them knows what they're doing, yeah. but they don't necessarily want to do it themselves. Exactly. I don't buy whole salmon at home. Yeah. I go to a market, and I buy a filet, a filet or I tell the monger behind the counter, I'm like, mm-hmm. I want a pound and a half of this. More towards the center, blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, take and the skin off or whatever. Yeah, just descale it because I hate scaling oh, fish because yeah. it sticks everywhere exactly. and it's just a pain pain in the touch. But I like the skin, so I oh, I eat those like crackers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think there's you know finding striking that balance, and that's yeah. a lot of like what we're learning and researching for our classes is what do people want to just see demonstrated in front of them? Yeah. And then what do they actually want to learn to do on their own? And then we have this really fun ability where we also are a retailer and we sell cookware and electrics and gadgets. So it's also striking that balance of not feeling like an infomercial, but you can teaching how to use these products. And what's the difference between these three nonstick skillets? And I'm sure people can say... Well, I have such and such at mm-hmm. home. Is that How and you do can I use say, it? Oh yeah, you can use that, and yeah. and it doesn't have to be a cell. Totally. Do you do a sous vide class? We are bringing our first sous vide class that we've had in three or four years back in April. Oh. You hand out like a bunch of crossword puzzles to everybody. So <laughs> well, they have that, to and do. that's the balance of what do they walk into <laughs> in class? So they do sous vide three different things, but one of them is a sous vide egg, and so oh. you make. For a salad. So you yeah. make the rest of the salad, you pull oh, out the okay. egg, and then another one. What's the other? What's the vegetable in that dish? I come up with 40 classes a month. Yeah. But my oh, brain sometimes gets scrambled. And we just uh, built the classes for September. Oh. So I'm working like <laughs> nine far months ahead. out. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, that's how far we got to go. Um, uh, asparagus, and so you sous vide asparagus, and then how do you finish oh, it? And that'd then, be a good one to sous vide. And then you have steak yeah. sous vide, and then you're finishing it, and then the, the dessert that you learn is has nothing to do with sous vide because oh, okay. you got to do something else hands on in these yeah. classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, it's finding like sometimes we're sitting there like when instant pot was huge. Oh, we yeah. did instant pot classes like crazy oh, wow. 
from 2017 to two, like the end of 2018, and we'll still do them every once in a while. So it's but over, huh? Instapot is over now? No, it's definitely not over. But now we're kind of transitioning from how to make everything for the meal in Instapot. Uh-huh. People are only going to buy one. They're not yeah. going to have multiple. To here, while you're cooking your grains in the Instant Pot, here's yeah. everything else that you do. Or while you're braising this huge, like, pork shoulder yeah. you're making everything else actually that's that's a great skill to have because that timing timing is you know so when you hard. first start cooking mm-hmm. that's the one thing that that always caught me up i could make everything you right know, who knows how well but it was you know 20 minutes apart you know yeah. it was it's not like how to get it to all come out at yeah. the same time i think that's a huge struggle for people and yeah. we try to teach that it's a it's a hard skill to teach yeah Especially when you have 16 people in front of you. One-on-one, you can walk somebody through. Like my sister and her husband, who live in the suburbs of Chicago, love to entertain. Neither one of them has a cooking bone in their body, uh, which is hilarious to me. Um, But... They, you got them all. I th- yeah, and I'm the youngest, so it's like it skipped my older siblings and then just all got dumped on me, which I don't mind. It's you know, yeah. it's a great skill to have. Uh, and now that it's kind of recognized yeah, as a, exactly. like a profession that's okay to yeah. be in, it's you're not just playing. <laughs> yes, I'm not just like mm, you know playing with food in the kitchen. Like this is a legit job and career. <laughs> but she'll call me flustered. She'll be like. Ethan ordered all of these dishes and food. I have to heat them up. How do I do it? Oh, my gosh. And so last year for – it was Rosh Hashanah. Uh And I wrote her like a three-page timeline of when things go into the oven, at what time, what can be done in a crock pot. I made her go out to all of her neighbors and get all of their crock pots. (laughs) This can be held. Like you just have to get it to this temperature and then put it in the crock pot to hold. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, as my brother-in-law will say, I saved their marriage that day. (laughs) But it's such a it's such a hard thing, and if you, yeah, it comes with practice. When I first started cooking. I didn't exactly. know how to do it. My first couple dinner parties that I tried to host after culinary school were huge disasters. <laughs> I laugh at them now, yeah. but I'm like, yeah, it's such a it's such an interesting skill. Yeah. But I think that's the hardest thing. And I think it's the most intimidating thing for people yeah, it in is. the kitchens. Yeah. So Well, we've been together eighteen years and early on we would make stuff and we would say Plan B is we're going to go to the restaurant down the street. <laughs> and we've done and it. there was a couple of times when we ditched all that food and went down the street. Oh, man. But that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, we haven't had that happen in a long time. It's, well, we had, uh, I made a chili not too long ago, six months ago or something. Oh, and, yeah. And something, now I don't recall what, what went wrong. You put too much chipotle in it. Oh, oh that's, that's what it was. It caught... See, this is a great lesson for yeah. people. See, I remember the. I remember. I, how you she remember. Yeah. I don't remember what she made, but now I remember how she made yeah. it. Yeah. It called for chili powder uh-huh. and chipotle powder. Uh-huh. And I couldn't find it. I was at like uh, one of the town and countries yeah. where they have all the bulk oh, spices. Oh, I love bulk spices. But they had a chili chipotle so- uh, powder. Uh-huh. I thought, okay. Great. So um, <laughs> instead of being reasonable and thinking it through, I just thought, well, this called for two tablespoons and this two, so I got four. Oh God! So spicy, so well, smoky, and not just yeah. overpowering. Overpowering and and not good. It wasn't a good flavor. <laughs> so I have definitely was... made those meals <laughs> where I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Why did I? You know, in retrospect, that was too much. Still, t- still to this day, I'll be like, oh my God! I had yeah. such a heavy hand with the salt that night. Yes. 
what was I doing? Or, you know, using one of the artisan salts, which oh yeah, their salinity is all oh, over yeah. the place. Yeah, yeah. And I was just going to town cracking. I think it was, oh, this wonderful Icelandic salt that somebody brought back for mm. me for a vacation. And tasting it, it was so salty. It had so much, like, saline in yeah. it. But I was like, oh, this is just like my diamond kosher flake salt. Yes. And I crusted oh, God. the crap out of a steak, co- cooked it, and I was like, I have to cut the crust off. <laughs> yeah, nobody can eat this. It was, <laughs> like, made me pucker. <laughs> it was like, sucked all the moisture out of my mouth, and I was like, oh, this is atrocious. I just ruined a really nice steak, and my boyfriend was like, you're a professional. I was like, I make mistakes. <laughs> it happens. I'm not perfect. Well, that's how we all learn, and like, then we hope we retain that information <laughs> for the next time you get the specialty exactly. salt. <laughs> yes, next time I go to reach for that little crock of salt rather yeah. than that crock of salt. So note to self, <laughs> don't buy matching crocks of yeah, salt. So exactly. there you go, folks. You see, you learn something new all the time on the Seattle Dining Show. You use the specialty salts go, what, half? Oh my gosh! Well, I, it, depends it depends on what it is. Like Himalayan is a very gentle salt. I, you know, how can we know ahead it. of time? Taste you have it. to taste it. You got to you just a b it with the other salt. Yeah, you okay. just put a little bit in your hand and yeah, and then you put a little cayenne it. pepper in between. Oh man, so that you buy some you get your chipotle chili powder and. <laughs> Blow your taste buds out. <laughs> you don't eat for three days. And right. then <laughs> yeah. You're feeling very um, like you need something sweet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, let's see. Let's wrap this up with yeah. what can people expect at the Kirkland location? Because that's, you know, yep. our, our only culinary spot it's in Washington. Only, so. It's the only local one. If I had my way, we'd have like two more programs in Seattle. Yes. Listen to Meredith. Yeah. Come on, Sir <laughs> Kidding. I love the company. <laughs> uh, Kirkland location. So it's right in downtown Kirkland. Mm-hmm. Uh, with any of our cooking schools, <clears throat> excuse me, across the nation, the experiences are always going to be very similar. We we look for that. We want people who are – we find that people travel and they'll oh, yeah. take classes in other programs. Oh, yeah. So we want the overall experience to be the same. Mm-hmm. So you'll walk in. You'll be greeted by the resident chef or the store manager You'll sit down and you'll get an apron and you'll get a recipe packet and the chef will kind of cover the ins and outs of what you're going to learn today. And if they had to make um, substitutions for any ingredients, because uh-huh. sometimes that happens, especially when there's like a foodborne illness outbreak in romaine, oh, yeah. we swap that out for yeah. other greens or if there's a shortage in something like, you know, we had our... Uh, the snowmageddon scare oh, yes. again, and the grocery stores were completely out sold out of a lot of things. And, you know, we shop at the local grocery stores, so it really does give you that local feel of, That's great. here's what you can find, and here's the stores that I find it in. So we oh, talk yeah. about Wajimaya all the time. Okay. And, and then if I sign up for the Booyah base class and I tell you I have a shellfish allergy, you're going to... We would in- <laughs> encourage you to not take that class. <laughs> Go home. Um, we would, uh, you know, refund you and then sign you up for a class that does not have shellfish in it. Yeah. Like it was a lovely answer to a ridiculous class or something. You know, but we do get that. People are like, I'm gluten-free. I'm like, you're in a croissant class. <laughs> Can we refund you and then sign you up for a class that's more appropriate for your dietary and lifestyle oh, needs? And, you know, people don't understand or they're, you know, they're learning. Yeah. 
And yeah. we learn along with them. And so you'll get greeted and you'll go over the class and then you get split up into teams, depending on how big the class is. Mm-hmm. Um, the standard is teams of four. So you're working in a communal environment and the chef has uh, made some mise en place trays mm-hmm. for each of the recipes. And so they instruct you to pull out one of the mise en place trays. And as a team, you use different tools and utensils to prepare uh, mm-hmm. the produce, um, measure things, and then you get out your either if it's a smaller class, you all go up to the front island and you'll gather around the stove. We have large ranges, we'll gather around the stove, or we bring out the portable, uh, uh-huh. like butane burners, yeah. or uh, we also have the induction burners, oh, yeah. the portable ones. And you cook on those, and the chef and the kitchen assistants are walking around, walking. They Their job is to not do a thing oh, other than okay. walk you through. They can demo knife skills. Oh, every every class has a knife skills component, so oh, everybody's great. holding the knife correctly. Nice. Um, keeps incidences to a yes. minimum. I mean, I still nick myself every once in a while when I'm not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but the chef should really not do any of the cooking. They walk around, and they walk everybody through And they really encourage people to kind of rotate through. So in the Thai class, we were making a Thai pumpkin curry. And so really one person, as we rotated through, one person did a step. So somebody sweated the garlic and shallots and ginger. Then the next person added in the next ingredients in the next person. And we're tasting, everybody's tasting along the way. And so we really encourage hand washing. Yeah. A lot of hand washing because it is communal cooking. Yeah. But then at the end of the class, really you can be as engaged or not engaged as you want. But most people want, they take classes from us to be hands-on. It's not a demonstration. You will smell like food you Um, will cook you will cut things you will chop things you will use microplanes you will be doing every step or a part of every step and so the wonderful thing is at the end is we bring out we platter the students platter everything up wow um and you sit down and you sit and you eat and you talk about your experience and the flavor and your taste and how you would oh, I love it. ask questions. So that's what you can expect is hands-on, mm-hmm. really learning, um, and you, you'll get out of it as much as you want. Yeah, yeah. That's why I love our classes. That's perfect because sometimes somebody comes with the other person who really wanted to, mm-hmm. to learn to cook and the other one kind of just wants to understand it a little bit. Or just watch. Yeah. Yeah. We have yeah. The, you know, the people who like to be spectators and that is A-OK yeah. as well. Yeah. We want you to be comfortable, especially yeah. if you're new. And sometimes, you know, when you're just sitting and not doing, you pick stuff up. Yeah. You know, like, well, why didn't we do that? And the mm-hmm. person's like, oh, I was just doing it. I don't know. And then you have a good question. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I love going – I love taking our classes because I – listen to what the students are asking and that just, or maybe the chef instructor, this is something that they specialize in and then I learn something and then I can write it into our like teaching plans. And everybody gets it. Yeah. And then everybody gets it, but it's like, Oh no, of course I, you know, I thought everybody knew this. It's like, actually no. So, you know, it's, we're learning top down. Yeah. uh, Bottom up. I learn from people. I learn from students. They're like, Oh, well, my dad was a farmer and did this. And I was yeah. like, oh, rad. That's perfect. So cool. I love it. Yeah. It's constantly educating ourselves and being yeah. curious. Yeah. Being, I think being a foodie is being curious now. Mm-hmm. I think foodie has lost that really negative connotation. And I now it's just so. people that care. Yeah. That just want to do it right. Want to do it right. And enjoy it. Yeah. 
It, yeah. Totally. I mean, food, food is fun. Food should be fun. It's just food. Yeah, it is. Don't be so serious. Yeah. Make mistakes. Make messes. Have fun. Yeah. Enjoy. Laugh. <laughs> like this. Meredith, this has been so fun. So where are we going to go? We're going to go to Sur La Table online to find out about the classes that are local? Yep, surlatob.com, okay. and we have a little drop-down menu, and from there you can find your local store. Kirkland here in uh, Seattle is the only one that we have, but we also have tons in Portland. and um, You guys have tons of stores all over the United yeah, States, yeah. so even if you're listening from outside of the Pacific Northwest region, there mm-hmm. are plenty of places for you to oh, go. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yes, plenty of, plenty of 85 locations across the country. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Well, thank you. Thank it's you. It's been really fun having you here. We are going to take a break, and then Connie and I will be back with some tips and tricks. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by B&E Meats and Seafood, your neighborhood butcher with four locations to serve you in Des Moines, Berrien, Newcastle, and the top of Queen Anne Hill. Unique products, great meats, the freshest seafood, and a knowledgeable, friendly staff make shopping at B&E Meats and Seafood the best choice. Hi, this is Kathy Casey. I live in Seattle, and one of my favorite restaurants is Sawyer. This is Louie with the Thirsty Fish on Crown Hill, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. are back with your happy hosts, Connie and Tom, and we are so thankful that Meredith dropped by today. That was very fun to talk with her from Sur La Table. And of course, it's time to wrap up, but we like to end the show with some tips for you. So my tip today is that when you dine out, um, keep an open mind and consider ordering what the restaurant is known for. Um, if it's seafood, go for seafood, not beef. If it's a steakhouse, do they have a special cut they're known for? Or like, uh, for instance, Capital Grill does a lot of bone-in things. They often don't even put them on the menu. They just say, when you sit down, they'll tell you about them. <laughs> so, you know, find out what's going on. And, and if maybe they've got specials, oftentimes if you go to a place somewhat frequently. What's the daily bone-in special? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, if you go someplace fairly commonly then find out what their specials are you know because you can always get what's on the menu but maybe they've got something new going on so um you know just kind of a fun way to broaden your horizons mm-hmm. All right, well i got two tips this month oh good and one's in the kitchen and one's out on the patio mm. or at least for me it's on the patio um We'll start with the patio, with the outdoor gardening. Uh, If you're like me, you like to grow herbs on your patio or out in your backyard, but some herbs kind of take over the under area, the root system. Uh, Mint was surely one of them. Uh, Chives as well. So uh, this is a great time of year to go and dig that up, 
propagate it out, take mint and share it with your friends, and then plant it back down into the ground what's left and start a, a kind of a fresh cycle going on your mint plant and uh, change out that soil, put some new soil in so it has lots of nutrients to grow all the, the mint leaves you need for nice mojitos when mm. summer gets here. And salads. And I salads, love mint yeah. and salads. And put it on your desserts and your ice cream and so many good ways to use mint. Oh, yeah. Um, also, uh, in your kitchen, I discovered in the last month, and I'm sure some of our listeners have, have known about this for a long time, uh, reusable Ziplocs. Mm. Uh, that are made out of a high-quality silicone product, no BPA in there, really good for storing your food. And you can wash them over and over and over again. And I know uh, I've been, you know, washing, rewashing uh, freezer Ziploc bags, but eventually they fail and you have to, you know, recycle them. Yeah. But uh, these are really nice, and I bought some. Uh, I'd never seen these out in stores before. Uh, but I imagine they're out there. They're also online. And uh, so look for reusable yeah. storage bags. I like that. I like that because I hate throwing them away, but sometimes you just have to. Mm-hmm. All right. It's time for us to wrap up. Thank you for joining us on the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. Here we want you to dine safe. We want you to Dine out often, dine at home often, dine with friends, and join us back here for the March show next month. See you then. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media. It may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music, a Fremont icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine, online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.